Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask, would you interrupt us today so that we would not miss you? And so I pray, would you tune our hearts and our minds toward you and what you would have us here, that it might transform the way we live so that many more people would come to know the name of Jesus in whose name we pray, amen. Well, a long, long time ago, uh, I began ministry in Houston, Texas at a church called Gloria Day, and uh, that was my first call right out of the seminary. The church was growing, and they called uh, me as a young pastor right out of the seminary to, to come and be a part of their staff, and, and because they were growing and uh, their offices, they didn't have a room uh, for an office for me in their office area, and so they were sort of quickly converting old classrooms and things like that. So this was the office, my original office, um, that I had there the very first time, and I remember that. That's my dad in the background who came to visit, I think, for my installation, who was there. Evidently, I loved Mountain Dew, because um, there's two cans um, there, one in my hand and one on the desk. Uh, at least my Bible is also on the desk. I guess that's a really good sign uh, for a pastor. Nothing on the walls, of course, except for two tiny little things on there. So I had nothing uh, to my name. So I'm basically starting out with nothing there. And I remember that office, and there's a lot that happened um, in that very first office. And there's maybe something about the nostalgia of the very first office that you sat in that has some memories for you. But I remember very specifically on a Friday afternoon, November the 17th of 19. 95, I was getting ready to lead our high school students on a retreat that weekend. And I was in the office and the phone rang and I pick up and it's a receptionist. She goes, oh, your mom is on line three or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, wow, wow, that's unusual. And this is way before cell phone days. I didn't have a cell phone. So you had to call on those old landline things. So I pick up and hit line three. I'm like, hey, mom, what's going on? And she goes, hey, uh, we lost your dad. And I don't know, um, maybe it was just the phrase or because of the shock of that, I didn't really understand. I said, Mom, what, what happened? And she goes, we lost your father. Uh, he was walking in the mall with his friends, and he had a massive heart attack. There were paramedics right there. Um, they tried to revive him. Um, they got him right over to the hospital, and he never regained consciousness. John, he's, he's gone. I'm like, Wow, I was not expecting that on a weekend. I was getting ready to go with some high school kids. And, and so, you know, your mind begins to shift in that moment. You're not really sure what's going on or what to do. And I'm like, okay, mom, I'll get there as soon as I can. And I hung up the phone. I went over to the pastor's office. I'm like, my dad just died. And, uh, and he's like, well, get home. That's what you need to do. And sometimes you need somebody just to give you some clarity in that moment. I'm like, I, but I, I got a retreat this weekend. He's like, John, don't worry about the retreat. I'll call your leaders. Just get a flight, get home, and get up there and love on your family. And, and so I, I made arrangements to, to fly up there and, and go. And it, frankly, that was the absolute right decision. And it was an easy decision to make. Just go and be with your family in that moment. And I, I can remember um, sitting in that office, and I almost feel the weightiness of that phone as I heard those other words. And, and maybe some of you have been on the receiving end of news like that, that unexpected interruption, and, and you maybe didn't really know how to react, and you didn't know what to do. And, and what I'm hoping today uh, to do is when those unexpected interruptions happen, and they will happen, everybody has unexpected interruptions that happen in their life. When they happen, I hope that, that at the end of this message, you'll have some tools to be able to deal with those unexpected interruptions and hear what God has you to hear. 
And so what we want to do to sort of unpack this a little bit and learn some truths is, is take a look at the story that Carlin read for us just a moment ago, the story of Matthew's account of Jesus' birth. And it's written uh, in chapter 1 of Matthew. And if you've got a Bible, I invite you to open it up and look at it. Uh, there's Bibles underneath you. Um, we have the outlines printed for you, so you got them there. You could open up the YouVersion Bible app. You could just look up here if you want to. We've got plenty of ways to engage in God's Word this morning, however best you can do it. But take a look at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Jesus' mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, I find that phrasing just very interesting. She was found. Well, who, who found her to be pregnant? You know, was this Joseph found her out to be pregnant when Mary said, oh, by the way, this angel came to me and said I'm pregnant, and, and so she was found out by Joseph. Um, was she now getting to the point where she was showing, and so you could physically see that she was pregnant? And, and we don't know exactly who found her out, but we know that she was found out by this. And I know this is sort of different in our world today to sort of grab a hold of the weightiness of the situation because we live, unfortunately, in a world today where um, children are born uh, without mom and dad being married together. And, and some are like, well, that's really old-fashioned. And I'm like, well, there is a lot of benefit to doing things God's way. And we're not going to get into all of that. But just to know that this was a different time and a different place where this uh, was a culture where honor uh, was. And so this didn't happen. And so this was a scandal in this regard, and so I know it's hard for us to understand that in our world today, but if you could just for a moment try to grab a hold of what that must have felt like for Mary and what it must have felt like, especially today as we look at Joseph. Man, how that must have sat with him in that moment. What do you mean you're, you're with the child? Well, no, this angel appeared to me. I don't, I don't want to hear about any angel. I'm not sure uh, about all of this and the way this is going. And so we know what his reaction was after his interaction with Mary. Look at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. He followed God. He has a heart for God. Because he wanted to follow the law and yet not want to expose her to public disgrace. So there's still a side of him that has compassion and love and mercy for his wife. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. What I love about this story is this is a complete different reaction than what Elizabeth gave to Mary. Now we know from Luke's account of the birth of Jesus that, that Mary went to visit Elizabeth, one of her relatives. And she also was pregnant. She would later have John the Baptist. Um, that was who was in her womb. And so Mary travels. And, and maybe she's tired of hearing the rumors. And maybe she's tired of the accusations and the looks that she's getting. And, and she needs to be around somebody that will support her and love her. And somewhere along her family line is this woman named Elizabeth. And she goes, I've been around Elizabeth. Elizabeth is a good woman. I can be around her and be honest with her. And, and so Luke records this. Take a look at what Luke says about the encounter. When Elizabeth Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. So Mary shows up. Hey, are you here, Elizabeth? The baby leapt in her womb. That's John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Man, those are two totally different reactions 
to the same event. Blessed are the child you will bear, and I have in my mind to divorce you quietly. Same story, two totally different reactions to an unexpected interruption. And, and I realize for some, like I, I realize not everybody who is listening to me is a follower of Jesus, and I get that, and I'm so thankful you are here. I realize for some, like a virgin birth, really, we're still holding on. Yes, uh, we believe in the virgin birth. That's what we teach and we confess. We believe God miraculously intervenes in time and space, and he has the ability to do that. And, and I love talking to people because that's often one that they'll bring up. Oh, you really, the virgin birth, I just can't get past the virgin birth. And I, I happen to be talking and I saw this on a tweet the other day and I thought this was just hilarious. A lady had said, oh, I, you know, the virgin birth, I can almost believe the virgin birth part of the Christmas story. But three wise men? Not really buying the three wise men kind of thing. I'm like, now that's funny. I can appreciate uh, the humor in, in that. And so as you take a look at what the reaction was, it's so easy to just harp on, jo like, how could you, Joseph? I mean, didn't you know? No, he didn't know. And so if you're Joseph in that reaction, how, how, how would you feel? And what would you say? And what would you do? Now, maybe I have a soft spot in my heart for Joseph um, because maybe I'm, I'm a guy and I stick up for Joseph. And maybe that's part of it. Um, maybe it's because I got a chance to play Joseph. Um, and maybe that's why I've got a soft spot in my heart for Joseph. Uh, I got a chance to ride on the Rose Bowl uh, parade float a number of years ago, and that was an incredible experience. We got a picture of the float that I actually was on. There it is. It won the Princess Trophy that year. So you see the huge Bible there and the ark, and we got that. You can see Jesus there in the middle with the white robe and the long black hair. And you see Elizabeth. She's back there in the left. That's sort of the manger scene back there in the back, and you see her, but you can't really see me at all because that's what they do with Joseph, I guess. They don't give him uh, the side of the camera uh, where the cameras are, and so nobody ever saw me. I was sort of disappointed, right? I watched it when I got home. I'm like, I don't even get a picture of me on there in the whole Rose Bowl, and then somebody sent me this on HDTV. They said they also had coverage of that, and you can see me. There I am over on the right. That's me, Joseph with Mary, and Joseph, it's a hard gig playing Joseph, just to be honest. And we had to get there like early, like 4 a.m. in the morning, get dressed. You're all in costume. You get to your float, and you're there, and you just wait until the parade starts. And because you're in costume, I mean, Jesus was there, and people are walking by. Oh, it's Jesus, and can I get a picture with Jesus? Oh, of course. And so he's, you know, living it up and having pictures with Jesus. And then I'm standing next to Mary, and people are like, oh, look it. It's Mary and Joseph. I'm like, oh, cool. They recognize me. That's awesome. And so they come up like, oh, can we get a picture uh, with you? And like, absolutely. And they're like, here, Joseph, you take a picture of me and Mary? <laughs> yes, I will. So I did that time. It's tough being Joseph. I can empathize with Joseph, and maybe you can this morning a little bit too. But here's, I think, the first thing that I, I want us to grab a hold of today, because Joseph um, almost did the wrong thing for the right reason. And when we are interrupted uh, unexpectedly, it's very easy sometimes and it's very possible to do the wrong thing for the right reason. I mean, he had a great plan in his mind. I can follow the law, and I can do what the law requires, which is divorce her, because the child is not mine. Um, and yet I can show mercy by doing it quietly so that she isn't disgraced and that she isn't potentially stoned to death. And she's like, this is a perfect plan. And the reason it was a perfect plan is because it was all in his mind. And, and I love the nuance of this. Like every word, I believe, God just divinely inspired Matthew to write this down. He had in mind 
to divorce her quietly. He had it in his mind. In other words, it had never got outside of his mind. It never had come out of his mouth. He never had talked about it with his family or with his friends or with a small group or with whoever. He never got any advice for this. It was just all going on in his mind. And how easy it is for us to justify what we're doing. And if we're not careful, we can do the wrong thing for the right reasons. And Joseph almost fell into this trap. But thank God that this is, again, one of these moments where there's an unexpected interruption. Look at verse 20. But after he had considered this in his mind to divorce her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. And I love he calls that out in him. Isn't that wonderful? Like, this is who you are, Joseph. You are a son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I like the word do not be afraid. I mean, you think that's sort of a normal thing with angels, right? Every time an angel appears, hey, fear not, don't be afraid. That seems to be the ongoing phrase that's here. But it's, it's not don't be afraid, Joseph. It's like don't be afraid to take Mary home with you as your wife. And this is where I'd love to be a part of that conversation. If I could go back in time and be a part of that dream and see what's going on, what's happening in Joseph's mind. Because I, I imagine Joseph is sitting there and like, oh, don't be afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm angry. Man, I'm furious at this. This is not the way I had it planned out. We're engaged, we get married, we have children, and this is the way things go. This is not the way it went. Man, I'm, I'm frustrated because this is, this is not going to work out the way I, I planned and, and everything that I dreamed about just seems to come crashing down in a moment. Nobody asked for my permission for this and this is just now my lot in life. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm angry. I'm, I'm grieving because now I've got to walk away from this, and now I've got a divorce thing around my neck, too, and I've got to carry that with me, too, and, and hopefully find somebody else that I can, I can marry and go through that again, and I've got to explain it to my family. I'm, I'm frustrated with, with all of this. I don't know if this has happened to you, but it's happened to me enough to know this is what God does. God isn't afraid of emotion. God doesn't want us to just be void of any emotion. Um, but God wants to get to the heart of the issue. And I think the heart of the issue is what the angel said. Don't be afraid. And I can hear Joseph, I'm not afraid. Trust me, Joseph, you're afraid. I came right from the throne of grace, right from the throne of God who knows all things. And this is what he told me to tell you. Do not be afraid. God knows you're afraid, Joseph. Let's deal with your real emotion. What's behind everything else, the mask that you're putting on. Let's get down deep so we can deal with this. Because until you deal with it, it's just going to sit there. What are you afraid of, Joseph? Well, I'm afraid of what people are going to say about me. Okay, good. Now we're getting somewhere. What else are you afraid of, Joseph? Well, I'm afraid I'm, I'm never going to be able to do business because everybody's going to know who I am and they're not going to want to do business. Okay, good. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. What else are you afraid of, Joseph? And God does this time and time again. God wants to get down to the real issues of life. This is what our God does. And until we can deal sometimes with the emotion, we, we can't really understand what the will of God is. 
Because frankly, the only way for the will of God to be, uh, for us to understand the will of God is for the will of God to be revealed. That's the only way we can understand the will of God. Because in our mind, we don't understand the will of God. This is why Joseph came up in his mind with a plan to divorce her quietly. That wasn't the will of God. Because in our mind, we can't do that. We can't understand the will of God unless God reveals his will to us. And so often God will do just that, reveal his will through these unexpected interruptions in life. If we take the time to process and deal with them and talk through them and pray through them. Often God will speak through other people. This is what God loves to do. And I've had this happen a number of times in my life. This is why I'm a part of a small group. Um, this is why I have uh, friends that I call on a weekly basis and just to talk through about life and what's going on. This is why I have counselors that I have seen over the years that I can call and pick up the phone and I got some stuff I need help unpacking this with. And I've got some godly people in my life that I allow to speak in. And I hope that's true in your life and in all areas, that you've got some people around you that can speak in to that. We're going to be launching, again, grilling groups in January. If you're not connected with a small group, just put that in the back of your mind and start praying for that already because we want everybody to have that kind of community around you because God will often speak to you and reveal his will through other people. And often he does that in his word, too, which is why I love going through his word slowly sometimes and just pulling out little words and phrases. And what does that mean for me, God, that God jumps off the page and into my mind and into my heart? This is how God reveals himself. And so how did God reveal to Joseph? Look at verse 21. She will give birth to a son. She will give birth to a son. Not your wife will give birth to a son. It's almost that he's inviting Joseph to be a part of it. I realize, Joseph, you are teetering in this moment. You don't want her to be your wife at this moment. But let me tell you what's going to happen. She's going to give birth to a son. And Joseph, here's your role if you accept it. You are to give him the name Jesus. And we didn't just pull this out of a baby book. We didn't just ask around and do a popularity poll and what we should name this child. No, this came right from the throne of grace. You're going to name him Jesus because that's what his name means. He's going to save his people from their sins. This is a divine appointment for you, Joseph. And it's almost like the angel is coming down and God is asking Joseph, do you want to be a part of God's story or not? I know you're teetering, Joseph. But just ask yourself, do you want to be a part of the story? Because you want to be a part of the story, here's your role in the story. She's going to give birth, going to have a son. And your role can be, name him Jesus. A name that is above every name. A name that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's going to save people from their sins. And God invites us to do the same thing. God would have accomplished this without Joseph, but he gave Joseph an opportunity to be a part of the story. And this is what God wants to do with you. God wants you to be a part of his story. He wants you to engage and be a part of his story. And time and time again, God will give you opportunity after opportunity to be a part of his story. And he'll invite you, do you want to be a part of God's story or not? Here I lay before you somebody who needs the presence of God in their life. You want to be a part of God's story or not? I can bring somebody else into their life, but I've asked you, and I'm giving you an opportunity. Will you be a part of their story or 
not. And I love the nuance of what Jesus is called to do because he will save his people from their sins. Like save people. Isn't he supposed to forgive people? Isn't that what Jesus did, right? He forgives people. And yes, he forgives people. And aren't you glad that he forgives people? I am glad that he forgives me. I'm glad that he forgives you because I know with my last breath, I don't have to wonder, God, did I do enough for you to get into heaven? Did I do enough to appease you? Did I balance out the good and the bad, the, the, the good and the evil? Did I do enough to get into the kingdom of God? And God's none of that matters because you have been forgiven. All of that has been paid for at the cross that you know with confidence when you take your last breath that I know that my next one will be up in heaven with you, not based on what I've done, but because Jesus, you forgive me all of my sins. Thank you, Jesus. So don't you mean forgive, Matthew? No, save. Well, what does it mean to save? What this means is, is God comes and intersects our lives and often will give us an unexpected interruption to call us out of our mess, call us out of the chaos of our life and call us out of that and save us. God didn't just give us a ticket into heaven and say, well, just hold on until you get there. God says, no, I want to save you from your past from your mistakes, from the trajectory that you're heading on your life right now. I want to call you out of that and call you back to it. This is what God does. I will save the people from their sins. All your mistakes, I'm saving you from those. This is what God loves to do. Last weekend, we had the drive-through nativity. And, and I tell you, just on behalf of Roxanne and all the leadership, thank you for all of you who are involved in, in that. So many volunteers uh, putting sets together and helping people get through and acting through. Incredible. And so to think about it, we had 1,640 people that went through our drive-through nativity. That, to me, is incredible. That's 448 cars. But more importantly uh, to me was seeing that 168 prayer requests were written on those cards. 168 people took the time to write down things that we could be praying for as a body for them. 36 people uh, put a little check mark in the box. I'd love to be contacted and learn a little bit more about St. John. I, I couldn't let those go, and Linda Matheson did such a wonderful job of putting all on a piece of paper, and here's the prayer request, here's the name, here's the contact information. So every one of those 36, I spent time contacting uh, this last week because I didn't want any of them to miss out on the grace of God. And I, I can't tell you about some of the personal conversations, but I'll give you sort of the theme of the ones that I had an opportunity to talk to uh, voice to voice and, and some email responses uh, back and forth. Because the general theme was, you know, how did you hear uh, about the drive to nativity? Well, I saw it on Facebook as one of the events that was going on the weekend, and I saw that it was free, and I thought, well, that's good. Free is good. And, and I thought, I don't even have to get out of my car. That's even better. And I thought, I'll just drive through and do that. And so that's why I came. And, and as I sort of prodded uh, different people as in having these conversations, um, it was amazing how they began to open up their life. I said, are you connected anywhere with the church? Because you asked for more information. No, I'm really not involved much in church at all. I said, so why did you go through a drive? Well, I don't know. There was something that I just felt like I, I should go. I said, do you suppose that God just intervened in your life for a moment, gave you just that unexpected interruption to say, why don't you just drive through? Because what is it that compelled you to write down your phone number or your email address and, and give it to me and then check a little box that says, I'm, I'd like more information? I, I said, I, I know. 
God wanted you to know that he loves you and he's got a plan for you and that you're not beyond uh, redemption. And I had some incredible conversations with some people uh, about how they feel like a million miles away from God. I'm like, oh, you are the reason Jesus came into the world. Man, I don't want you to miss the grace of God either in the midst of that. And my, my heart aches for people that wander away from the truth and wander away from Jesus. And, and I know at Christmas sometimes, oh, that's that little story again. Oh, no, 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 no. Man, this is God coming into the world because he loves you. And he came into the world to die for you because he loves you. He came to rise again that you would know that your sins have been paid for and forgiven and that God will save you and he'll set your life on a new path. There's nothing more than God loves to do than to redeem things that the world thinks are unredeemable, that there's no purpose and there's no plan and God can set you on a different trajectory for your life. So I pray when you come to those unexpected interruptions in life, when it's a phone call or a visit or something you just completely weren't expecting. I hope that you see the hand of God in this and I hope you do these four things. I shared this last week with you as well. Number one, I hope you will just pause for a moment. Let that be your first reaction. I'm not gonna react, I'm just gonna pause. And then when you pause and have a moment to collect yourself, just to ask, God, what is it that you want me to learn with this unexpected interruption? What is it that you want me to learn from this? What do you want me to do with this? And then third, I'd love for you to believe. I'd love for you to believe that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I'd love for you to believe that God has a purpose and a plan for your life, that God loves to step into the mess of our lives and bring us out of the mess and set us on another path and another trajectory. And then I hope, after you've done those three things, that you'll just obey even when it doesn't make any sense. It didn't make sense for Joseph. <laughs> but he obeyed. And I hope that you'll do the same thing when these unexpected interruptions come and God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense. I hope you'll do it so that you don't miss the grace of God. Because not only do I not want you to miss the grace of God, I don't want people that you know to miss the grace of God. And if you miss the grace of God, then people you know are going to miss the grace of God. That's why it's so vitally important for us to come back And say, God, would you just interrupt my life? I've been doing my own thing for far too long. Will you call me back to you today? And I pray that that is what Jesus is doing right now in your heart.